the Links and Locks podcast. podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to the Links and Locks Golf Betting Podcast. The Golf Betting Podcast for the Action Network, presented by Bet365. This week, we'll be previewing the Genesis Scottish Open as we make the trip across the pond over to North Berwick, Scotland, to the Renaissance Club, not Renaissance, Renaissance Club, for the Scottish Open. This is the second consecutive year the PGA Tour and DP World Tour have co-sanctioned the event. Previously, a lot of PGA Tour players just went and played in the event anyways. And now, because the PGA Tour owns or partners with the DP World Tour, they have co-sanctioned the event for the second consecutive year. It is not a designated event, but it is a big-time field comprised of big names such as Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy. So we're really excited. Even Thomas Dietrich is in the field. Um, So what more could you ask for? We're excited for this tournament. Great to have our full crew along with Spencer Aguiar and Nick Bretwish. I'm Roberto Arguello. And guys, after Spencer hit on Sepp Straka last week outright, 60-1 to on the John Deere Classic, I believe it was 60-1. to Let's look to keep it rolling this week. But before we get into our outright card, let's jump into our best bets. And Spencer, you got honors on the tee. You know, I'll say this too. Uh, best bet one for me last week of Eric Cole over Ben On. So feel a little heater coming on right now. I don't have a head-to-head wager to go back to this week. I think that kind of shows my lack of intrigue on this board, and we can talk about why that is a little bit later. I'm going to take Keith Mitchell, 66th or better. It's minus 120 over on bet 365. All right, so you bet him outright last week, but you've got a placement bet on him this week. Nick, what's your best bet this week? And do we have a wild hammer kid across the pond? Yeah, you uh, you mentioned a name that has disappointed this show uh, more than once. I'm going to go back to probably their biggest disappointment of the year. I'm going with Alex Noren, top 40, plus 150. All right, Alex Noren, plus 150. I've actually got the same best bet as one of you two, but I'm going to save that one for later. So I'm, I've got two that I really like. So I'm going to go with Alex Smalley, 52nd or better at minus 120 on bet 365. Before we jump into mine, Spencer, break down why you're loving Keith Mitchell's chances of finishing 62nd or better this week. I kind of secretly think that Keith Mitchell is statistically set up to be a link style specialist. He ranked first in my model for weighted total driving for the course, 17th in projected strokes gain total and win. And then the biggest connection here inside of my model was that he landed 21st place uh, when we look into in expected strokes gained at similar tracks, I haven't historically had a great run, Roberto, over the last couple of weeks of these, if you want to call them make the cut sort of finishing position wagers. Had KH Lee last week, that one didn't come to fruition and, and end up profitable. But I think this is a completely different wager here, just because a lot of those golfers that we had been talking about had these massive ceilings and these really low floors. Mitchell actually took the opposite approach in my model where he had a better floor Then he did his upside in my sheet. He was 23rd for me overall in safety. That's just a massive gap that I'm going to try to take advantage of on a golfer that does have the profile to find success that probably does exceed only a made cut. Like 
If you want to view this as a top 40 at around that plus 200 range, I think that's certainly something else that you can consider here. Uh, I am also going to touch later on on Nick's best bet because I also have that wager. And I think Nick and I have proven ourselves to be the leaders of the Alex Noren fan club. I have now become the leader of the Thomas Dietrich fan club, which I think Roberto, you are the co-president with me there. But uh, there are some really intriguing bets to talk about in these placement markets, I thought. You're looking at Keith Mitchell, 66th or better, correct? Um, correct. That one is one of my two best bets. I'll jump into why I bet that later. But for all the reasons you mentioned, I love it. Nick, break down why you like Alex Noren for top 40 this week. So my numbers had Noren at plus 110. So I'm getting 40 points of value on that top 40 ticket. Seems like the market overall loves Alex Noren, which is very shocking to say the least but he's a favorite in almost every matchup that i saw in any book that i could find um, i love the ball striking right now it's something that we haven't seen in a long long time for him but he is trending in the right direction he did have three top 30 ball striking rounds at the rocket mortgage classic he was one of the best ball strikers that opening round of the u.s open his putter let him down at the u.s open that is something that usually never happens with alex noren did finish top 30 here last year and has won this event at a different course back in i believe 2016 um, the Scottish Open there. So I just, I like them overseas and I like the price. So I will take the number grab at plus 150 on Alex Noren. Keep those iron hot, kid. All right. And for my best bet, I've got Alex Smalley 52nd or better. Uh, Spencer, I know you had him outright last week. And I know that you've been betting him for a while now because you love the approach play and his form is immaculate right now. Uh, he's gained strokes on approach in all of his last eight tournaments, each of his last eight tournaments, I should say. And he's finished 47th or better in seven of those eight tournaments as well. And not only has he been positive on stroke gain approach, he's really been surging the last three tournaments where he's gained uh, at least six strokes on approach uh, for the week in each of his last three tournaments. So really strong approach play form. He finished in a tie for 10th here in his first appearance uh, at the Renaissance Club. I think he's just got really strong form. And as we mentioned, this is a co-sanctioned event. So the field isn't as strong in the bottom half, I would say, as normal on the PGA Tour, uh, at least for a designated event, I'll say. And his immaculate approach play just gives him such a high floor. The putting isn't something that I can necessarily bank on, but for 52nd or better, I don't necessarily need it here. Uh, but I've got another play on Alex Smalley later on, so stay tuned for that. But first, let's get into our course preview and then our outright picks for the Genesis Scottish Open. Spencer, I'll let you take the course preview and start us off. I wanted to avoid getting too carried away with this event since there were certain statistical metrics that I wasn't comfortable using without the prior use of shot link data at the course. In my opinion, there's no point in guessing past numerical answers. That just ends up being a dangerous game to play that essentially translates to forcing action for the sake of releasing content. I don't do that. None of us, us do that on this show. And it's not something that I wanted to start doing for this hybrid event. So for me... The optimal path essentially came down to two questions if I wanted to proceed in some capacity. And obviously I'm giving wagers here on the show. So I figured out an answer that I felt comfortable with. But one, how could I run a model I felt comfortable with for the week? And then two, did my numbers find issues with the lack of information that I had on nearly half the field? And this is something that Nick does a lot better than I do in his model. He pulls from the DP World Tour. Um like we've said it a million times and like Nick and I said it on shows. I think Nick was the originator of Tom Kim. He was the originator of Chan Kim. 
Uh, he was the originator of KH Lee, which is a PGA Tour answer there. But there's a lot Those of names facts. that, yeah, there's a lot of names that Nick has been able to find over the course of time. And some of those have been DP World Tour sort of answers that my model is just necessarily not in tune with. And I'm okay with the building the model aspect of it because I can build this as a generic link style model that pretty much any problem that arises, I'll just look at past iterations on link style courses. Like you have these wide open greens and the slow fescue surface that's going to accentuate scrambling and three-putt avoidance. That also created a straightforward blueprint that could be easily followed and built. Now, the second issue of the question that I talked about is not so simple when we talk about the lack of information that I have. Like, it's never a good thing when a large number of DP World Tour players are, I don't want to say getting wiped away from my sheet for their likelihood of finding success, but they're very much so getting pushed down the board. And in fairness, we probably don't get a winner from one of those names, but it decreased some of the other markets since my numbers didn't give them a chance in any sector. So that's going to affect the placement bets. It's going to affect any of those head-to-head matchups. It's worse for the placement bets just because the whole market kind of is working together there with it where head-to-heads are player versus player. But it's one of the reasons why I'm going to have a lower exposure card than usual. I'm more or less treating this as a pick-your-poison situation where I will cautiously trust the larger edges that I had while ignoring almost anything else. I do like how I built my numbers with more substantial weights on putting, scrambling, uh, three-putt avoidance, bogey avoidance, any of those numbers to kind of try to find golfers that are going to get away from creating errors there. But it's a double-edged sword when you consider that this course's real defense and playability always comes down to the weather. So a really hard statistical metric to quantify. And we were even talking about this before we came on air. You really need to wait as long as you possibly can. And maybe that's more of a DFS answer on some of these things because numbers are going to move. And if you want to get the best of the price, we can't sit here all day trying to wait for the optimal path of what these players are going to do. And it's Europe and it's Scotland. Like weather changes just like that with a snap of your fingers. So I'm going to trust some of my data. I do have wind built into my model. That's going to help on some of the back end equations here, but this is a really challenging course that I guess the most simplistic answer for me to give is it takes me out of my comfort zone. And if Nick would like to add to it of how he built it in his model, because he probably has better answers on the DP world tour players. I'd love for him to chime in with anything he has going on. No, not a whole lot to add there. Just overall, I, I did weigh around the green a little bit heavier than I usually would just based off of what we saw last year and how tough scoring is going to be. These greens are very hard to hit in regulation. Um, but other than that, no, it's uh, not very penal off the tee, which led me a little more towards Norin because we know how that goes. Um, but yeah, um, strokes game putting too, a little bit higher, but these greens are going to be like damn near Velcro slow. So I don't know if I really buy into that. A lot of things that you read out there will say that strokes game putting is super important. But again, I think Gary Woodland had one of the best tournaments of his life on the greens here last year. So we know of Gary Woodland with a putter. So um He's not getting any strokes putting anywhere, and if he did it here, I'm not really going to weigh too heavily on putting. So, uh, yeah, I would agree with you 100%. Um, I'm just looking for ball strikers that are in great form, and let's go from there, and guys that can clean it up around the green. Yeah, Woodland doesn't necessarily fit this answer, so it, it takes away some of the credence of what I'm saying here. But to me, one of the best ways to look at putting, I think looking at, in particular, slow surfaces is a really intriguing way to go for the first answer. But Three-putt yep. avoidance, just because we do have such large greens, 
if I can find guys that aren't going to run into problems. And if you mix that in with some of these slower surfaces, that was my preferred way to look for putting. I did add more putting than I normally do to the mix here. I always do for European style courses and these link styled nature that we get. But um, I think three putt avoidance above anything else would probably be my answer. I was about to ask how you weighted putting this week. So thank you for answering that. There's also uh three par fives, five par threes, 10 par fours this week on the course. Um, I also found that there were over 50% of approach shots hit between 125 and 200 yards uh, last year, at least on this course, there was a lot of wind last year. So perhaps that scoring distribution or that shot distribution on approach will be a little bit different if there's a lack of wind or uneven wind distribution throughout the round this week or the tournament this week. Um, I also wanted to ask about how you weigh slow greens when I just feel like it's a small sample size and it's something that it's hard to really measure given that the last time we had slow greens might not have been for a few months and the guys who are putting well right now may not have been putting well then uh, Gary Woodland putters in the dumpster right now may not be as super relevant for how he did last year. Uh, but I do think that overall on these slow greens, it favors the players on the ends of the distribution, the elite putters and the more poor putters uh, and less so the average or slightly above average putters um, just because people are going to miss more putts from like the eight to 10 foot range here than you would on a normal course. Uh, at least that's what statistics have shown recently, but also I would think that some of that is weather dependent as well. Yeah. I, I guess to answer your question there, it's marginally thrown into the weighted putting that I looked at. So that's going to take putting from five to 10 feet. You talked about the eight to 10 foot range there. I went from five to 10 feet. It's going to take in that three putt avoidance that I ran. It's going to take in long-term putting on any green complex. And then it's going to throw in a very small weight for me that I do look specifically at some of these slower condition greens to where if I can find an edge there, all the better if it shifts a number a little bit here and there. And it's not going to give me necessarily massive deviations with the amount that I'm putting onto it, but it's enough for me to at least see it make a change. And then I will have it show on my sheet without a real weight attached to it as a solo statistic, just so I can then compare, okay, well, this is a golfer that sees positive trajectory for me in putting. Is that coming because of the three putt avoidance? Is that coming because of the slower surfaces? When I do see a golfer that has some of that positive trajectory that we're looking for on a slower surface and some of the other numbers check out elsewhere. Like it's such a small, minute detail added to it, but it's something that I am taking into account on the back end of the equation. That's maybe not necessarily just showing from a statistical data output answer. So hopefully that answers the question there, Roberto. Yeah. I really like weighing the three putt avoidance. I also consider looking at approach putt performance, uh, not necessarily something I'm going to factor in, super heavily, but just something to keep in the back of your mind or look at if the three putt uh, avoidance or to figure out where the three putt avoidance is coming from if the numbers aren't what you want to see there. Uh, yeah. So without further ado, let's get into our outright card uh, for the Genesis Scottish Open. Spencer, I'll let you start off. So I didn't find this board to be as enticing as last week. And I mean, I guess like I hit the winners. So how much better can we get than that? But it'll probably always be this answer for these events with more prominent names in the field. We've talked about this numerous times between the three of us. It's just extremely hard to find a ton of value when most of the board gets marginally to greater than marginally priced out from consideration. I think the prime example of that inside of my model this week would be a Minwoo Lee. I really wanted yeah. to find a way to get exposure to Minwoo Lee. And then all of a sudden I see him out in the market in the thirties and 
it's not the fifties that I wanted and I can't get a price on. I mean, it's been a lot of that this season where there's just certain golfers that I've wanted to back. I would have loved to have backed Ricky Fowler at the rocket mortgage, got priced out of that one. And it's what's happening on these boards right now. So kind of have to be cognizant and aware of that. We also talked a little bit before the show started, you and I, Roberto, about there being a lot of players in this, you know, fringe 20 to one range where there's a lot of really intriguing options that I would like to back, but we can't play everybody. Once you add one name, there's ramifications for when you've done that. I want to make sure that I've left room on my card for in-tournament ads. Last week, we saw the ability and, I mean, Strzok is the prime example that he went into Sunday 50, 60 to one at most books for mm. uh, round four. There's an ability there to make birdies and bunches. Now here, weather can just change like that. And all of a sudden, if you can figure out the weather edge, maybe you can figure out a long shot that can steal this tournament late on Sunday. So something that I want to keep in mind, and I want to make sure that I have a card that I can do that with. I did start with Terrell Hatton at 24 to one. That was inside the enhanced market on bet 365. Hatton will be an extremely trendy play because of his past background when dealing with link style venues. We see that come to fruition statistically as he ranks as one of only eight players to grade inside the top 20 of all six data categories. And maybe I shouldn't have said only like eight is actually a lot for that number there. And part of the reason that I'm giving as many names there comes down to the 75 DP world tour players. I just don't have enough data on to feel comfortable. So the names that consistently pop for me just kept popping over and over again messed up some of the back end of the equation here. And that's like what I want to point out is this is the reason why I don't have a ton of exposure for some of these wagers. Like I'm going to take the massive edges I had, which I had an edge on Hatton here, but I don't necessarily want to build some portfolio where I back myself into having problems here. I just think Hatton at this point, and Jason Sobel said this when I did the gimme with him weeks ago, it's essentially along the lines that at some point with the way that Hatton is striking the ball and the way that he's producing you almost back into a victory. He's third in my model in strokes gain total over the last 24 rounds. He's inside the top 27 in the last, you know, however many tournaments you want to throw out into the mix here. He's just consistently producing. And to me, a really big win is coming for him at some point. We know link style venues are historically been, you know, back-to-back winner at the Alfred Dunhill links championship, uh, six European tour wins in his career. A lot of that European success that you can find. So if the win doesn't come here, I do think there's a likelihood that it comes next week at the Open Championship, which is why any of those numbers that are in the 30s, and I kind of would give this answer about any player I'm talking about, I would be aware that if you like them this week, you're probably going to like them again next week, and it doesn't hurt to necessarily put in a wager a little bit early if you think you had an edge for this tournament. Like, yeah, the field's going to change. You're going to get Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and all these live golfers that are going to enter the mix, but... If the value is there in one spot, I want to make sure to take advantage of it if they do perform the way that I think they can. So Patton at 24 to one, I took Max Homa at 45 to one. I'm just under the belief that Homa is a golfer at this point that he's underachieved so badly in his last three tournaments in the more baseline, steady, short game metrics that something has to turn around at some point. I think this is a really nice spot for him. Took Tom Kim at 60 to one. I don't know if I love this wager as much as I did when I initially placed it. The inflated price is noteworthy for someone who cracks the top 10 for weighted scoring and graded second for weighted proximity, but that's kind of where the high end potential stopped for me in my model. If I could get another chance at this, I don't know if I would pull it like, I think 60 to one's a fair number grab. I've also seen this branch out further into the seventies if you want to get even a better price on it. But 
it's a number grab above anything else. And then I've never been one to be deterred, Roberto. Uh, fool me once, shame on you. If I get fooled again, I guess it's shame on me at this point. But I took Thomas Dietrich 175 to one outside of the mixed cut and stronger field here than in Detroit. It's that same high-end potential that continues to ring through in my model when running numbers for Dietrich. The argument would be that the best way to play him probably lands as a placement wager. We'll get there later. I don't think I necessarily need to lose four units on him once again. But because of that missed cut, we have gotten an inflated price here. I'm going to go one more time swinging on Dietrich. Understand out there, if you're listening, it's 175 to one golfer. But he has the short game I'm looking for. He has the win play. He has the Lynx pedigree going with four consecutive made cuts here, including back-to-back top 10 finishes. I just, I think that Thomas Dietrich at this point, I'm going to keep betting those numbers and it's always about value. And last week you said Sepp Straka was the Thomas Dietrich of the week for you and it came through. So sticking to your guns, it worked out last week and we'll see if it works out this week. Nick, are you on the Thomas Dietrich train as well? And <laughs> what else is on your outright card? I was close to getting there. I hate my outright card right now. Um, I did not go shorter than 40 to one. Right now I started with uh, Wyndham Clark at 40 to one on bet 365. Absolutely love the ball striking, love the short game, love what he can do off the tee. Uh, everything about his game right now is really good. I, I still think, like, I don't know. Arguably, he's playing as good as Tyrrell Haddon, and Tyrrell Haddon's priced at 24 to 1. So, um, yeah, we get the a little bit of a home court for Haddon and Clark going overseas, but his game has never been better. So I'll keep riding Wyndham Clark. I got Adam Scott at 60 to 1. I don't think I really like that number, but my numbers had it at 45 to 1. So I'll take those points. And then. I took Lucas Herbert. I don't know if what's wrong with my numbers. I had him at 55 to one, which was absolutely outrageous. He is 70 to one right now on the market. I It's a number grab. Uh, Spencer, what do you think about Lucas Herbert? It must be the spike in his ball striking a little bit right now, because obviously he's just a world-class putter and a bomber off the tee, and that's about it. Never really been an iron guy. But the numbers this year for his iron play look a lot better than they have in years past. So I did take Herbert. And then my last one, the uh, the bomb of the week that never pays off, but I'm going with Joost Lotun, the Netherlands native at 400 to one. I'll probably I'll... get on the hat and ticket. I'm, I'm very close to going there. If you guys had to choose one, it, I think you already made this decision with your outright ticket, but just heads up Hovland or Hatton. I'm out on Hovland this week. So, I mean, obviously I took Hatton. So my answer is going to go in that direction. And uh, I just want to very quickly touch on the Adam Scott play. And I guess let's also talk about the Herbert play. But um, when we look at Adam Scott, that was kind of the direct connection with Tom Kim, where I didn't know which way I wanted to go. If I could get a chance to redo my card, might be Adam Scott for me. I don't know. It's a very close decision there. They were kind of the same golfer that at least from a grade perspective that I didn't know which way to go. And then on Herbert um, three putt percentage inside the top 20 weighted scrambling inside the top 40 kind of have to like him on a link style course. So I, I don't necessarily think he's going to win the event, which is the problem, but you know, a fringe top 40 sort of play for me. And this is coming from a model, and I know he has a lot of PGA Tour numbers that I'm pulling from, but even still, like it's very infrequent that a lot of players with his skill set find success in my model when I build it, just because he has such a direct way that he needs to perform to find success that that's not necessarily where I find the value, just because 
like if you look at the proximity totals, they're never going to look well. And I'm always running proximity as much as I can. I did reduce it. I added more putting. I think that's where the deviation came into play where he did boost up on my sheet. So I like him. I don't know if he's going to win. I guess that would be my back end problem of it, but I think he's an intriguing play in other ways this week. All right. Yeah. I like the placement market, I think for him. So again, that's, that's the one I have not punched yet, but my numbers like him. So I was a little nervous because again, I'd run proximity as well, but something about Lucas Herbert right now is pulling well. So I'll ride it. I mean, Herbert has flashed on this tournament before uh, in 2020, 2021. Uh, keep in mind that this uh, course, the Renaissance Club, only 15 years old. And this is the fifth tournament, I believe, they played at uh, the Scottish Open uh, starting in 2019. Uh, don't And there was, yeah, starting in 2019. Um, so 2020, 2021, he tied for fourth in this tournament in consecutive years. Uh, gained strokes on approach, but the putter was really where he made his money. And in all five of the open championships and Scottish open since uh, 2019 with data, he has been a big gainer with his putter. So he likes these slower surfaces appears or he likes all surfaces, but it, his putter has thrived on these as well. Um, I don't know that he has that approach upside to get there to win, but last year at the open championship T15 gained over three strokes or excuse me, over six strokes on approach as well. So he does have that ability. I believe he won, uh, not this past year, but the year before uh, at the Butterfield, Butterfield Bermuda Championship, which is also another coastal course on the PGA Tour. So I think you might be onto something Nick, there, Nick. But um, at 70 to 1, I have not yet punched a ticket on him. Uh, but he's somebody that I think is definitely interesting. Go ahead, Spencer. No, I was going to say, I think when he won, if I recall correctly, and as you mentioned, it's a coastal course. I think the wind was out of control that week. I, I remember it being a, a very blustery week. And, and I want to ask you this, Nick, before we get off of the Herbert play, where did he rank in your model out of curiosity? 33rd. Yes. When I ran this for safety, he ran, uh, he graded 33rd in my model. Nice. Right. Um, so, and it's, he is overall for me, 45th. When I ran it for upside, that's when he took the negative trajectory grade, but like that's kind of where he's one of those prime placement candidates if you can figure out the right way to do it. And maybe he has more upside than I'm giving him credit for because he does have those two top five finishes here in the past. Yeah, I personally think he has more upside than he does a floor. So that's why I went it's with the outright ticket and not the not the placement market, but could be wrong there. All right, I'll hop into my outright card. I started off with Justin Rose at 45 to one. He's not the longest off the tee right now, but he's still a really elite approach player who can also spike with his putter and around the green uh, also made his trip across the pond a little before a few other players two weeks ago he tied for fourth in the bet fred british masters and he's just been striping the ball lately i think that he's got a chance to win each of these next two weeks but i really like him here in the lester field uh, because of his lack of elite off the tee play i very much was between Wyndham clark and max homa and i think i'm gonna punch a ticket on max homa here uh, at 45 to one as well. It's a great buy low spot number play. He's got an elite short game and we've seen just the overall glow up for his game. I like Max home a lot. I think this is the spot to buy back on him. I haven't bet on him in quite a while. Uh, I bet Alex Smalley. It's my best bet 52nd or better. I love the approach play and I think it gives him a significant upside. So 75 to one, I punched a ticket. I also bet Corey Connors at 60 to one. I always like me some Victor Hovland. And I thought that Corey Connors was, a uh, discounted way to buy into that statistical profile. Uh, 
uh, of an elite approach player who's also really long and straight off the tee and gives me more room on the card at 60 to one. I'm also playing Sahith Tigala, not a guy whom I've normally played. I think normally when I mention his name, I'm betting against him in the placement market or in the finishing positions market specifically on bet 365. But at 90 to one, I love that he can spike on approach um, and he's got a really strong short game. And I think that's going to play this week. It's a little bit of a different, it's a very different uh, type of course where you can have these wayward misses with the driver and not be as penalized as you would on a parkland golf course. Although uh, while this isn't a true link style golf course, as much as you'll see next week um, at the open, there is a lot of links golf in here, but only four core, four holes, I believe that are on the coast itself. Uh, I like Sahit Tigala with the ability to capitalize on his driving distance and maybe get a little bit lucky on some of his more wayward drives. I'm also on the Thomas Dietrich train. Uh, I didn't get him at 175, got him at 150. So really like him. And then finally, uh, for my Nick Bretwish bomb play of the week, I'm going with Kevin Yu, 300 to one on bet 365. Uh, we know that he's a big hitter with significant approach upside. We mentioned the last few podcasts as he made his third start last week after he suffered an injury at Pebble Beach way back in early February, I believe, uh, or late January. And he tied for six last week. So big week for him. Let's see if he can keep it going. Not sure how he does in the more link style golf, just because we don't have much of a sample size for him being a rookie on the PGA Tour. But at 301, I'm willing to pay to find out. Guys, before we jump into our placement market bets coming up, I wanted to give a quick reminder that the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, guys, let's get into some of our placement market bets. Spencer, we've been starting with you, so let's keep it rolling. I thought we had a nice split if you look at these markets between bet three, six, five finishing position options, and then these random top 40 wagers to talk about this week. I preferred placing the majority of my exposure into those two sections since I didn't have a head-to-head wager that I loved. I will start with Nick's best bet of Alex Noren top 40 at plus 150. I don't want to go overly into this answer because I think Nick did a very eloquent job of talking about why he likes Norton this week, but Norton ended up grading as one of the best top 40 values in my model because of a safety grade that bumped him into the top 20. That is not a conventional answer for a golfer that missed seven of nine cuts during the middle of the year, (laughs) but the recent form has seen Norton make three or four weekends by turning around the one answer that Nick gave of the iron play. Uh, he has top 15 grades he's produced for win play and weighted three putt percentage. Uh, you add that to his links profile, which gave us too large of an increase in his price because of the perception around his game. Thought plus 150 was about 50 points too high for me. Uh, Thomas Dietrich, top 40 at plus 140. I'm not going to play this game, guys, of uh, betting it across the board again. As I said, there's no point in losing four plus units here. Um I think if we look at what he is providing, though, we have a golfer that is inflated on the odds odds board right now just because of what we've gotten from him recently. Like, I understand that there's been a couple poor results, but I think and a very important thing that needs to be mentioned out there, and this is anybody who's gambling or, or betting in any capacity, you never want to overreact to one or two poor results. If the numbers are still grading well for me, I don't want to jump off a of Dietrich at plus 140. It doesn't mean that the bad form is not going to continue. And, and maybe it does, and maybe I lose another wager. But 
like it's 0.70 units for a top 40 at plus 140. It's an outright bet for 0.07 units to win, which yeah, I went bigger. I bet it to win over 12 this week. But I mean, if you're looking at those numbers, it's still less than a unit on him if everything goes south. So it's just something interesting to keep in mind. It's not going to bring break the bank for me here. And then I have two finishing position bets. I obviously talked about Keith Mitchell, 66th or better at the minus 120. And it seems like we're all in agreement here on this last play. I just decided to go a little bit differently of how I'm going to play him. Wyndham Clark, 40th or better, minus 120 over here on bet 365. I believe we're talking about a legitimate top 15 player in the world that the market still struggles to price accordingly because of this career-changing surge he's gotten in 2023. Sometimes that answer will come crashing down when the data isn't backing up the results. But to me, it's one of those spots where the huge transformation that he's encountered with his proximity is just a completely different player than what we've gotten over the last, you want to call it 12 months or whatever it is. This is to me, and and Nick gave this example of, you know, he said Clark and Hatton were about the same to him. Like to me, Clark is in that same range as Ricky Fowler, Tommy Fleetwood, I guess I prefer Hatton when directly comparing, but like he's in that range that he should be a fringe top 10 sort of player. So if books are going to price him at 40th or better in a market, that's going to pay me in ties in full, which is what I love about the bet three, six, five board that they do have there. I'm going to take my advantage. I have, I've seen a top 40 price on him stretched out. I mean, there's certain books out there and we'll leave them nameless minus 300. Like that's a oh. massive difference between what we're getting here with Clark at bet three, six, five and what you're getting in other places. And then the key to the equation, we also get ties paid in full. It's just a really good wager that in my opinion, it's probably not going to last long. And I do think bet three, six, five moves it before the start of the tournament. If you bet somebody outright on Monday morning and you really feel like they have a high floor, check out that uh, finishing position market for them. Cause who knows what you'll find, especially if it's in that range of somewhere from 40th to like 70th. Uh, where the placement uh, finishes, absolutely recommend it. And for all those reasons Spencer said, uh, with it being ties paid in full, incredible value if you can find it there. Um, Roberto, let me just add one thing to that really quickly, because I think it, just to add to your point to that, Alex Smalley, which is your best bet, he opened, I, I think 52nd or better is a really intriguing wager. Like if you have extra money that you are looking to get action on, that's probably a route that I would highly consider inside that finishing position market. It opened at 50th and it moved to 52nd. I I would assume that before this closes, it probably moves back towards the 50 range. So you just have to stay on top of these things with the movement, but they're always changing the numbers for sure. Nick, what else do you have in your placement market portfolio this week besides the norm play? All right. We're going with Gary Woodland, top 40, uh, plus 145. And then we are going down the board again to Yost Lauten. At plus 210, top 40. This guy hasn't missed a cut since February. Yes, it's just the DP World Tour. Um, some of these have actually pretty good fields. A lot of the guys that graded very well for me, and he's playing with them. My only concerns there is his short game grades absolutely awful. Um, but his ball striking may be second to none out of the, the Euros out there with the big names included. So I will go with a Yost Lauten at plus 210, riding the hot hand on a guy I have never seen golf outside of YouTube clips <laughs> earlier today, making sure I like that swing, and I do. He checks the box. Let's do it, Yost. All right, hopefully we're toasting to Yost Lauten at the end nice. of the week. Nice. Um, 
in addition to Smalley, I've got Keith Mitchell, 66 or better. Uh, my other placement market bets this week, betting for at least the ones that are minus 120, betting 0.6 units to win a half unit. These two, I'm betting 1.2 to win one, uh, just because I feel like I've got a bigger edge on these two than the other ones. And I love the Keith Mitchell, 66 or better. I feel like I've been frustrated because I really like Keith Mitchell. I think he's a great guy. Love the um, Mizuno irons, love the visor, love everything about him. I've just been betting against him on the show all the time. Uh, even last week, had him 34th, 35th or worse or something in that vicinity, and that hit again. But been betting against him. It's been working. But I finally found a spot where I can bet on him, and it's just because the number is right this week. I love, and I'll echo what Spencer said. I think you said you had him like 21st or 23rd as far as safety goes this week. And he has such a high floor in this field because of his driver play. He's fifth in strokes gain off the tee so far this season, and he is an elite driver off the tee in this field, maybe the best in the field outside of Rory McIlroy. He, in addition to that, has made 15 of his last 16 cuts, and for 66 or better, that's really all you're asking for this week. And his only two missed cuts came at courses that are more of plotter's courses where you're not going to be hitting driver every week. Uh, so I think that the course fit, like Spencer, you said, running for similar courses, he takes a jump. Completely agree with that. And then additionally... His elite off the tee play gives him such a high floor that even despite losing on approach in eight of his last 10 events, he's finished in the top 59 all eight of those times where he's made the cut. So he hasn't been hitting the ball well. If he does hit the ball well on approach, he could win the tournament. Uh, I don't hate the upside plays on Keith Mitchell, especially given his such poor iron play recently, but he did gain strokes on approach last week. And I like the little trajectory that he's had um, recently where he's gained on approach, I believe, like two of his last four after losing very consistently on approach. And we know that his short game with his putter is really sharp as well. So I really like the floor for Keith Mitchell. 66 or better. I think I like it a little bit more than Alex Smalley bet, uh, but I'm going to bet them both for 1.2 units. And then the other ones I have, Wyndham Clark, 40th or better. Very similar to um, go. Keith Mitchell. 14 of his last 15 tournaments inside the top 40. And it's just that there are so, like Mitchell, he has so many pathways to cashing this bet. He, can, he won the U.S. Open while losing strokes on approach. That is just absurd. Um, if he doesn't hit the well, ball super well on approach, he's long off the tee and his short game can carry him. If he stripes the ball off approach and his putter's not and the putts aren't falling, he can still catch this bet. There are just so many different ways. And even the around the green play, which, of course, we saw at the U.S. Open, some really clutch up and downs down the stretch. There's just so many different options for how he can catch this bet. I love it for um, I love it for Wyndham Clark. Uh I just didn't love that there wasn't as much leeway as I have with the Keith Mitchell bet at 66 versus 40th uh, and potential weather coming into play. But maybe I'll add to it later if I find that he's on the right side of the weather draw once that um, clarifies itself. Additionally, Was that minus 120 on bet 365? Sorry yes. to cut you off there. No, right. you're good. Uh, yes, that I is minus the ticket. Pod play. Let's do it. Um, additionally, I have two more. So Dietrich, I'm betting him for top 20 plus 375. I just want a little bit more of an upside play than the top 40. Uh, so just a little bit of a different way of betting him. But for all the reasons that you laid out, long off the tee, able to hit it. Uh, he's got a really strong short game as well and spikeability on approach. So I wanted a little bit more of the uh, upside, a little bit more of an upside play there. And then my last one, I was really intrigued with this guy. Alexander Bjork, admittedly don't watch a ton of DP World Tour, but this guy has been on fire lately. He has a really interesting statistical profile where he is very short off the tee, but everything else, he's awesome. Uh, in 14 DP World starts so far in 2023, 
He's finished in the top 42 in all 14. And once again, this is 60 second or better that we're doing this week. And he's gained 3.6 strokes on approach in five of his last seven tournaments. Uh, seven's where I cut it off because before the, that seventh tournament, I believe in the beginning of May, there wasn't any data for a few months. So not weighing those results before that very heavily. And in that same span of seven tournaments, he's gained at least 2.8 strokes putting six out of the last seven times. So the putting and the approach play is really strong. And that plays basically on any golf course in the world. And he's finished ninth or better in six of his last tournaments as well. Six of his last seven tournaments as well. So strong form recently, strong form throughout the bag pretty much because he's not going to magically gain 20 yards off the tee. So he's doing his thing and he's got really strong course history. He's played in the Scottish Open each of the last four years and has finished no worse than a tie for 62nd in 2019. But over that same span, T19, T26, T42, lost strokes gained off the tee in all four of them. And he would have cashed this bet all four times. You could argue he's coming in with the best form of his career. And at 60 second or better, I think the juice is worth the squeeze at minus 120. Yeah, I, I kind of like I've talked about, I don't have a ton of information on these DP World Tour players, but one of the intriguing things that my model did pinpoint is of all the players that we're talking about and we're running small sample sizes here, I think Bjork was not the only one. I mean, there weren't many of them that I had very limited data on that actually cracked the top 50 for me for safety uh, so if you're saying that, you know, this is a bet that's inside of the 60th or better 62nd or better range here, is that what the number was, Roberto? Yes, correct. It's intriguing. I, I don't really have the statistical numbers to back it up, but if you look at this tournament's been played at this course four times, 42nd, 26th, 19th, 62nd, all of those would be winners on that wager. So that's intriguing. Also a little fun fact, strength of the field, not the same as in his past eight tournaments, but no. in his past eight tournaments, 62 players have beaten him combined. Uh, we just need him to finish 62nd or better this week. Just make the cut. Um, so I like all those. Guys, any other plays that you guys have on your cards before we get into our rapid fire portion? No, I, like the two wagers that I don't currently have that I've highly considered putting at some point would be bet three, six, five bets. I thought Alex Smalley 52nd or better. I think you've probably talked me into it, Roberto, where I will make that play now. A lot of safety in my model for him. And then Sahit Tagala. I believe he's 50, you can, if you have it up in front of you, Roberto, I believe he's 55th or better. Uh, I thought he was interesting kind of for all the reasons that you talked about here. It's an, it's an intriguing course for him. 55th or better minus 120. Yeah. I thought that was like, I don't, I don't love, because I did the same thing you did. And, and I always bet these 0 0.6 to win 0 0.5. I bet Mitchell more of a unit uh, in mm. this particular situation. I think playing it 1.2 to win one is another realistic path that you can go like that's probably where i would max out these sorts of bets in this market but that was where i got my increase like to me this is almost a 2x wager from where i would normally be on mitchell so i don't know how many more bets i necessarily wanted to add but smally would be the next one if i do make it which i'm leaning that way and then Tagala would have been the second one but no nothing else for me i don't see any value in the head-to-head -head market Seems like none of us mentioned a head-to-head -head play, so that's really intriguing for this tournament. I also didn't see any value for round one matchups from what is out there right now. Uh, just a difficult board with some of these prices, but there's also a lot of value on the back end that, like that Keith Mitchell play is one of my preferred finishing position bets that we probably talked about on this show. It just It's just something that we could take an advantage of. I think of very soft pricing, and the same thing can be said about Wyndham Clark for me there. I'll also add this on Sahit Tigala. 
the Sanderson Farms Championship was played and finished on October 2nd of 2022, uh, better known as the Chicken Championship, of course. That was the last time Sahat Diallo missed a cut. Yeah. So you think you're making a cut, you're going to have a really good chance of cashing 55th or better and get him to the weekend with his putting abilities around the green game. He hasn't even hit the ball that well off the tee recently. Um, I, I like that one. I'm going to add an in-pot play on Diallo 55th or better. going to do that one for the uh, 0.6 units as well. Fellas, you ready for the uh, rapid fire portion? Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. All right. So we've made it all the way through our podcast without mentioning Scotty Scheffler's name. Um, I don't know how he did that, but he's been on a tear. It's pretty unbelievable that he hasn't won since the Players' Championship. But since the Byron Nelson, he's gone T5, T2, T3, 3, 3, and T4 most recently at the Travelers' Championship. Variety of different courses. He's done it consistently by smashing it off the tee and hitting it close on approach. And around the green, he's awesome as well. What would you guys price him at, or what number would you guys need to punch a ticket on him to win outright this week? I always give the same answer on this show. So I'm going to say, I don't think this is the fair number. I think the fair number is lower than what I'm going to give. I would still want double digits though. Like I, I would want 10 to one. I think at eight to one is probably more of where the accurate number is for me. There's just so much like maybe these slow greens are what he needs to turn this around a little bit. We know the around the green game, super immaculate. The three putt avoidance that he brings to the table, one of the best in the field. He saw positive trajectory in my model. And this is kind of what I was talking about earlier of I don't I didn't put a ton of credence and weight into strokes gained on these slower surfaces, but it's there in my model and it's there enough that it's going to cause some divergences between these numbers and Scotty saw positive movement with the putter and like he's outside the top 120 for me over the last 24 rounds that's the negative here but he was inside the top 40 and expected putting for this course I, I don't know like if Scotty Scheffler finishes as the 37th ranked putter this week I, I guess he just wins right so like there's a lot to like he he may end up burning this board for a lot of people which is another reason why I didn't necessarily want to get overexposed to this tournament. I completely echo those thoughts. Additionally, the, and you mentioned it earlier, all the guys at the 21, 20 to one range, Hatton, Hovland, Spieth, Fleetwood guys. I all really liked, didn't want to choose one, especially with the weather being a factor and I'll save my money for an in pod or an in tournament play. Already got the in pod play on the gala. Uh, Nick, what would you make proper on Scheffler? Yeah, 10 to 1. Um, just looking at his data and everything, I think his putting at this course in 2021 was one of the third best round he's had putting ever. So, I mean, maybe maybe Spencer's on to something. At least since that tournament in 2021, he hasn't topped it besides twice. So, 10 to 1 is as short as I would go. I'm just not betting a single-digit player at all in PGA. I don't think I'd ever do that unless it's like a a Sunday live ad maybe Saturday at most, but yeah, no, I'm I'm just not going single digits with anybody right now. There's just too many ramifications that come into play from a bankroll exposure standpoint that it adds up. It's, it's really fun. And we've said this a million times, Nick, it's really fun to say that you've hit the winner, but it's not so much fun when you're taking 10 names and the majority of them are sub 30 to one. And you're just throwing, uh, I mean, they're not even darts. I mean, they're favorites, but you're throwing dart after dart after dart. And then yeah, one hits, but you don't really profit the way that you want to. And if you go the Scotty route, 
it's a one-man card. Like, there's really no other way around it. You can't build a card with Scotty and tons of other names unless you just want to be massively overexposed. And the three of us, I, I've said this before, and I still believe this to be true. Maybe I'm wrong. I think I'm the most aggressive of the three of us. And I, I don't even mean that as a, as a positive note. Like, I, I think outright markets are a lot of times not where you want to be as aggressive with. I would say I'm the most aggressive of the three of us. And I'm not getting myself into the single digit number ever either. I wouldn't necessarily say I wouldn't necessarily say aggressive. I just say if somebody's twelve to one, you got them priced as having a significant edge. You bet them there. I just you know, personally the way I go about betting outrights, I just don't like betting people at those short of numbers. And I think I've given out outright bets at under twenty to one two or three times this year, and I've regretted them by Thursday night each time. So I, I, yeah, yeah. I I think just to like double down on my thought there is. For me, and maybe maybe aggressive is the wrong word with it, because it always comes down to value. And that's the key that you just mentioned, Roberto. But the edge can be closer for me than I think it would be for the two of you guys. Like every single situation is different. And as we move up the board, I'm going to need a bigger edge and a bigger edge and a bigger edge to make sure that I want to play the wager. But um, look, I mean, I, I'm the person that I went into the 10 to 1 number on Rory at the Masters. And kind of as you said, Roberto... I regretted it within two holes of that tournament of like, oh no, this is not like my whole card is already eaten up. I have no way to jump back into this tournament. And we'll round up the Sky Scheffler conversation by saying the only time I didn't regret the short number was I think like 12 ish to one for Sky Scheffler, like the Hero World Challenge or something like that. Yeah. Um, when he came in second. Darn. Yeah. Um, Rory McElroy, who of course has won the Open Championship. Um, in Liverpool before before we go to Liverpool next week. Everybody's going to want to bet on him there. What do you guys think about him this week? What number would you need to bet him here? Um, I'll start there. I'll go first, Spencer. I I think he's the best play on the board. Um, price agnostic, obviously, but I'd have to go 10 to 1. Same answer there. I'm, I absolutely love Rory here. I think it's a perfect spot for him. I think his game is really, really trending in the right direction. Um, kind of been quiet the past couple weeks since the U.S. Open. I think he comes out firing here because, like you said, all the pressure is going to be next week when he's back at Liverpool and everybody's going to be talking about Rory. It'll probably be the favorite, if not the co-favorite. Um, so I like him here kind of as a – is he a sneaky play? But, again, like, I don't – I just – even with, the, like, the weather and everything, too, with Scotland, any, all hell could break loose out of nowhere. No forecast could see it coming. Like, I just think it's it's male practice to take anybody maybe sub 15 to one. I think we had Xander here 18 to one last year. Was that correct? Spencer? Is that the number we got? I think that's the shortest I went on the board too. I think I doubled down on him Sunday, betting him live at like minus minus one ten, which is stupid, but it worked out. Um, how Tong Lee was in the last group, wasn't he? If I remember correctly, I feel like he was getting some love in the market on Sunday at the Scottish. And I had a monster ticket on Ju young Kim at the time to finish top 40. And he was like, third or fourth so i was like all right well i'm already gonna be profitable i'm gonna just double down more on xander and it worked out real well but um i think how tongue lee was in the last grouping so i was like all right i'm not afraid of anybody so i just kept going in on xander but yeah i i don't know i just i i don't think i'm gonna get no matter who they were i probably wouldn't bet anybody shorter than 14 to 1 i guess at this week so disregard the 10 to 1 comment on scotty but same thing for rory right around there i'm seeing rafa cabrera bella Cabrera that's who it was the, that's uh, who it was with xander that's who it was what did he shoot like eight over that day i'll touch on this answer very quickly and then i'll let roberto give us the the 
the, his answer there. But um, I don't know. To me, Rory has a really high ceiling in one of the lower floors, which I, I don't know if you necessarily agree with, Nick, based off of the answer that you gave. Um, that obviously means that outright bets are the most intriguing path with him. He's number, if the price is right, he's number one in my model and expected weighted strokes gain total. You're worried about the wind. He's third in wind. He's second in strokes gain total on hard courses. If the wind does come into play, I just don't think I can get there on Rory at this point, unless we're getting like 16 to one. I think at 16 to one, I will pull the trigger on it. Like, I would rather have Scotty if I'm directly comparing the two. Uh, so if I'm saying, you know, Scotty, I want at 10, I think fair on Rory's probably more in the 13, 14, 15 sort of range. If you give me a couple points above that at 16, that's where I would at least be intrigued to jump in. But like if, and I'm jumping forward into this, if there was a player that I was going to back, and this is just me being a glutton for punishment, because I'll tell you this, Nick. I didn't have Xander. I never have Xander when he wins. I only have Xander when he loses. I, which I, like, I thank you for that. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I like Xander this week. I just don't have a ticket on him. I think my preferred way to go with Xander, which might be way too aggressive. kind of think there's numbers out there 25 to one at the open next week. I don't know. I think 25 to one. I think it's a perfect course fit for him. That's where I would rather get my exposure on Xander. But um I don't know. I think if I was to power rank this group, I would probably rather still have Xander than Rory, which mm. puts Xander more in that like 14 to one range for me. I'm just not going to punch the ticket because I've done that one too many times and I am down. It's, it's eaten into the bankroll. Like I want to say of like, one of the things I run, I'll give this answer very quickly so we can move on. Cause it's an absolutely pointless discussion to have with Xander here. Besides the point where I do think he's an intriguing link style golfer for this tournament. When you look at players that I've backed historically, and this is just goes back to me betting golfers that are in this, you know, sub 20, sub 25 to one range, it eats into the bankroll quickly. The two biggest losses that I've taken on golfers, number one, Xander, number two, John Rom. Those are two golfers I just never seem to hit on. I'm going to go back to Xander next week, but it's kind of beside the point, I guess, for this question. So that leads me to my next question, which Spencer will pass on you for this one, but if I gave you an 18 to one ticket on Xander Shoffley or Patrick Cantley, Nick, the Xander whisperer, which one would you take? I would take Cantley. Uh, he, he checks every single box for me this week. And I like Spencer. I like Xander more next week at the, in the twenties. So give me Cantley. I, I would take that ticket all day long. Among the players priced at, let's say 60 to one, um, the favorites at 60 to one or higher, whom would you like to bet at the same number this week, next week? If there's anybody. Can I cheat on this answer a little bit? Sure. Can I can I give an answer that the guy is 60 next week, but he's not 60 this week? Sure. Yeah. Max Homa. Rules. Uh, yeah, Max Homa. I like Max Homa this week. I, I like Max. It's more likely that Max Homa wins this tournament just because of the lack of success that he's had in major championships. Uh, 45 this week is a really good number for him. I've seen 60s out there next week. I already have the ticket on him. I'm going to go down that direction. Um I guess if I was to throw somebody else out there, that's at least, and I don't know what he is right now, but I'd assume for next week, he has to be close. I think like maybe an Adam Scott. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily think he's going to win the open, but probably him. Let me change the wording of this question. Um, Cause like everybody's gonna have longer odds. It's shorter than 61 among the guys who are, who are more long shots. Uh, let's say 75 to one or longer. Whom would you like at the same price this week, next week, aside Thomas Dietrich, 
<laughs> I mean, I was going to say, I guess if not Thomas Dietrich, Alex Noren. No, I don't know if I could take Alex Noren to win. Looking around that price range. Oh, man, this is tough. There was a time, and, and this doesn't mean that Alex Noren is the same player. There was a time years ago where it was Noren and Fleetwood almost thought of in the same exact light with the same exact odds that they'd get all the time. And I mean, look, Fleetwood still has not won either on the PGA Tour. And those numbers have been just absolutely decimated here over the past few weeks. I don't, I would rather have Fleetwood if I you could give me the same number. I'm not making that argument. I just think Noren... And I don't think he wins either. I'm not necessarily making that argument. I just think he's drifted way too far because of the perception around him. I'll say that I would take uh, I take the gala next week in 90 to one. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like yeah, that. I, I like that also. My my numbers would say Herbert again, so don't trust that at all. Unless he balls out this week, then definitely trust it. Um, it's not necessarily this. It's not necessarily the same course that we're looking at uh, from this week to next, but. I do think if you build a model, you're going to get a lot of those similar answers. So if like, if there's somebody that you like on your model in this tournament, this kind of goes back to what I was trying to say earlier. It doesn't hurt to try to jump on them early and try to find an, a price grab now. So I, I kind of should, the answer theoretically should go down the direction of every name that we've already talked about on the show of our particular players. Like it should be a double down on them next week, probably. And one thing that's fun about having a major championship in the near future is that the odds that most books are open for the open. And if somebody's making a charge up the leaderboard Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe even Sunday, you might be able to find a number in the open championship market that hasn't moved pre -turn from, from beginning of this tournament. Um, so if there's somebody whom you haven't added to your open championship card, whom you need to see something from this week and you're seeing that something, hop on it. Um, fellas, Ricky Fowler, 17 to one this week, playing for, I believe, the first time since his Rocket Mortgage Championship win. Tyrrell Hatton, 19 to one. I know you guys all love him. Fleetwood's 22 to one. Matt Fitzpatrick, US Open Championship from last year, RBC Canadian Open winner this year, uh, 24 to one. And Jordan Spieth, also 24 to one. If I had to give you two guys among those four to bet on at 25 to one, which two would it be? And I'll start with you, Nick. Speeth and Fitz, no further questions. Okay. How I will I will say Hatton and Fleetwood. Well, no, oh, Hatton, I, sorry. I thought Hatton, I thought Hatton was not an option. Hatton's I thought we were saying you already. Yeah, Spencer. So Fitz and who else? Guy doesn't listen. <laughs> uh, Fleetwood and. Fitz still counts. You're good there. Yeah, may, maybe, maybe Fitz. I think Jordan is also intriguing. Um, I guess I'll go with Fitz though. I would go Fowler and Spieth, but, um, I'm not waiting into those waters yet. I really like, I really like all these guys pretty much. Um, jumping down the board just a little bit, Justin Thomas, 45 to one thoughts on him this week. And if you, what's the number you would need to punch a ticket on him? I don't trust him. It's a good number though. 45 is right where I had him at like 43. So I was actually higher on him implied in uh, implied probability wise than most sports books out there, but I don't trust it. I would need larger than the number that you're going to find and larger than the number that Nick talked about. Um, maybe he turns it around, but like, unless I see something and there are, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to get it. Like 
the problem is, is not only are the results bad, the numbers have turned in the wrong direction. And that's the biggest glaring problem that we have. I can live when somebody's not producing, but he's still grading well in my sheet. I, I can't quite stomach when the numbers have also turned south here. I think he's more of like a 75 to one golfer at this point. It doesn't mean he can't win. It's just, I, I would rather see him do it first before I jump back in. Like, I, I feel like I'm almost just dollar after dollar throwing it down the toilet, trying to back him. And it kind of goes back to the point that I think we've talked about a lot on this show. If I was to take a golfer that's in that same range, I always give the same player. I'd probably rather just take Sung Jay. Ooh, we're going to touch on Sung Jay in a moment. But like uh, so we mentioned, Wyndham Clark can cash that top 40 bet that we've all got in a variety of different ways. Justin Thomas has proven that he can ruin his round with the putter around the green. He lost three strokes per round around the green at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which I thought was impossible to do around there. Um, and within the last two, within those last three tournaments, he's lost two strokes per round at, in one tournament at the at, on putting at the U.S. Open, around the green at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, off the tee at the U.S. Open, or sorry, off the tee and on approach at the U.S. Open. Uh, he shot 81 there, so that's going to happen uh, if you shoot 81. But it's all poor, not great for Justin Thomas. I think he can figure it out. I think that if, there is weather it helps him and the closer to even par that this tournament finishes for the winners gives him a better chance. If it turns out there's going to be 50 degree weather and 20 mile an hour wind and rain coming in sideways all day, I might place some kind of wager on him um, in some market because I think it helps him. And he's got all the shots as bones said, when he joined his back um, continue on in our rapid fire, Tom Kim, 50 to 1. Sung JM, 55 to 1. Sam Burns, 55 to 1. If I gave you a 60 to 1 ticket on one of those guys, who would it be? I'll, I'll let you uh, go first, Nick. I, I think I would go Burns. I don't like any of the three. So I, I made the choice and I took Tom Kim, and now I don't necessarily love the ticket as much. Um, I guess I would still say Kim, but. Sungjae has a really intriguing upside profile to him. And, and I don't know if I necessarily trust Sungjae over four days. Might be a better first round leader bet at 60 to one than anything else. Um, and I'm probably just not in on Burns. So I guess like the power rank them, I'll say Tom Kim, Sungjae, Burns, but very close with the two at the top. So Burns is someone who intrigues me because we know he bombs it up the tee and he's a really strong putter but has, just doesn't have the approach play to back it up to win. Uh, Sung J.M. is someone who really intrigues me this week and next week because he comes in, had some really poor form for two weeks at the PGA and Charles Schwab where he just forgot how to hit an iron out of nowhere. I have no idea what happened. Um, and then since then, his approach play and form everywhere else has started to round back into form. Uh, not quite as solid as it was from March through April, but trending right in the right direction. The question for him is, does his game fit link style courses or is this just a small sample size issue for him where he's played one Scottish open missed the cut. Uh, he played in two open championships in 2019 and 2022. I would have thought he played it more, but uh, we know there wasn't one in 2020. He missed the cut in 2019 at the open and finished in a tie for 81st last year at St. Andrews. So no finishes in the, in the top 80 for him in three starts at the Scottish open and the open championship. Would you, how are you guys thinking about him from a link style um, perspective? Because he is someone who has a traditionally strong short game and putting. Um, or, or are we just getting a small sample size here where it just didn't work out for him? 
I lean more towards that second part of the answer. Like statistically, you would expect link style courses to be right up his alley. Uh, he's a great wind player. He's an immaculate total driver. He scores well on challenging courses. I don't really have an answer for why he hasn't found success in these sorts of tournaments. Cause this is where I would expect him. Look, I mean, there, there's a lot of majors that his game plays well for. And I think that's what always makes him so intriguing for me is that the, the numbers work across the board at a lot of tournaments, but like statistically, I would think an open championship is one of the better fits for him. So look, I mean, we're talking about what three tournaments there that we talked about. It, it can turn around at any point. Uh, the irons are trending in the right direction. I think that's the most encouraging thing that we can talk about right now with him. If he misses this cut and he misses the cut next week, then maybe we have a different discussion. Although like the form hasn't been exactly where we want it to be, even though he has turned it around recently, but no, I, I, I'm never going to be, and it kind of goes back to the point I said earlier, I'm never going to let one, two, three results. If you can show me over the course of time that you either can't perform or can perform, I will take a different look into my model and we'll try to make some changes, but I don't necessarily want to find two or three occurrences and, and make massive moves just because this is why we're getting an inflated price to begin with on Sungjae. It's a combination of the form hasn't looked exactly right. Granted, the approach play and the results have turned around. And then the his history at these sorts of tournaments have not been good. So uh, if you can give me an increase there, I'll, I'll take it. And plus, this isn't like we've only had four occurrences. It's not like we have some highly predictive venue here. It ranks near the bottom at most tracks. You might have some of those link style venues that are going to work if you try to roll it over. But uh, I'm curious here, Nick's thoughts on that. Ah, I don't really have thoughts on it. I'm indifferent. I, I'll, if anything, I'll, I'm writing the hot hand dispenser. So anything he says right now, I think I'm going to back. Let's hope Sung JM smacks the ball on approach really well. Gets really unlucky yeah. with the weather, misses a lot of putts, misses the cut on the number, and we get a great number for him next week where we can all bet him. That's I, I just I want to I want to see the ball striking improve. It just hasn't been where it was last year, and that concerns me. I'll get you guys out of here on this one last question. Um, Adam Scott's fifty-five to one. Ludwig Aberg, 55 to one, Corey Connor, 60 to one. If I gave you a 70 to one ticket on one of those three guys to win this week, who would you take? I'll start with you, Nick. I'm going with Ludwig. He he's the real deal, man. I mean, there's there's rounds he kind of disappears, but he makes up for it. Um, his round on Sunday was fantastic. It was great to see him do that. And his short game's awesome too. Like he is a pro. Um, everything about his his game, I think I sign off on saying now he's going back to Europe. A um, little bit of motivation there. If I can get 70 to one, I would absolutely jump all over that. Um, so yeah, with conviction, give me Ludwig on that one. If I, if I run this from a weighted strokes gain total perspective, we get rid of anything else and we just look for who should be the best fits for this course, run through a couple names very quickly, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, number one, Rory McIlroy, I alluded to that previously. Number two, Scotty Scheffler. Number three, Xander Shoffley. Number four, this is where the intriguing one came into play, Adam Scott. And that's kind of why I wish I had the Adam Scott ticket that I don't have. Five would be Max Homa. Six would be Patrick mm -hmm. Cantlay. Kind of the names that you would expect up there outside of Adam Scott. I think Scott's a very intriguing play for this tournament. Um, I don't have an issue with anybody who punched a ticket. I know Nick has one on him. And anybody who wants to add one and follow Nick's advice, I'm not going to talk you out of it. I think he's a good wager this week. All right, well, that will do it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Links and Locks presented by Bet365. And thanks to you, Nick and Spencer. Great to have a full pod with both of you guys around. 
And as a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 free. For more great golf content from our Action Network team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier this week featuring Jason Sobel and Ben Everill as they run down their top plays for this week's tournament. Of course, Jason Sobel also is on Adam Scott this week. Uh, you can find the guys on Twitter. Nick is at Sticks Picks and Spencer is at Tee-Off Sports. Nick, where can we find your work this week? Yeah, just on Twitter at Sticks Picks. Uh, we'll have some DFS thoughts going on there. We will do one more bye week at Better Golf, but hopefully some big news coming next week there. And then uh, everything on Action Network. Awesome. Spencer, how about you? Where can, where can the people find your work? Yeah, if you haven't done so already, I did the gimme today with Jason Sobel. We talked about a lot of the players uh, plays I have here, including a bunch of plays that uh, Jason's on. I, I love the Adam Scott play he has. I think he had strong conviction that uh, if you are on the fence about it, listen to what Jason has to say. And then I will have an article out tomorrow. Don't know for what yet, because I keep saying Roberto can't seem to find these matchup plays from round one uh, options here. And it's never a good sign if I couldn't find a pre-tournament head-to-head play. But we'll talk about more values. Maybe we'll touch it on DFS. As always, you can find my model over at Rotoballer or over at my Twitter at Tioff Sports. And uh, no, I, I'm excited about this week. I'm excited about the major next week. And hopefully we can keep the momentum rolling on this show. Let's keep it rolling, fellas. You can also find me on Twitter at Roberto823. You can find our best bets and all of our great golf content on actionnetwork.com and on the app. Just go over the golf tab. It's all there. Uh, best bets are already live, and we've got a lot of great content this week. I know everybody loves Cyril Hatton uh, among our panel of experts, so maybe consider him this week as well uh, or the in-tournament play for him. Thanks again to everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers, Matt Mitchell and Noah Niederhofer, Niederhofer, excuse me. Thanks. Big thanks to Noah for always pulling us through the finish line and getting this published every week. So big thanks to him and for everyone at Action Network who supports us here on the Links and Locks tournament betting previews. This has been the Genesis Scottish Open betting preview. Thanks for tuning in. And here's to hoping you hit the green this week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.